Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is Pete. Hello, Pete. Love what you've done with the place. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 508, The Last Day, is brought to you by Trawler Airlines. Lousy pilots, no pretzels, no coach, just the way you want to fly in the future. Pete, before we dive on in, I want to share a little article that, uh, share with everybody a little article that I read. Wait a minute, Pete, it's on FantasticGeek.com. <gasps> That's right. What? We dug a little and we found out the two following bits of information. Step one, as of recording, the ABC press site has uh, advanced info all the way through episode 510 airing on February 2nd. That's a Friday. That's the last Friday before the Olympics start. Also, on Marvel.com, there's an article celebrating the forthcoming 100th episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and some of the artwork being done for that. If you scrolled all the way down to the bottom, you'd notice that it says, and I quote, the 100th episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will air Friday, March 9th. <gasps> Pete, that is two weeks after the Olympics conclude, at least two Fridays after the, the Olympics conclude. Here's my conjecture. Here's what we're going with as Team Fantastic Geek. This pod ends episode 510 on February 2nd. That is... Again, conjecture, but then I would feel really secure that the next three Fridays, which are going to be chock-filled with Olympic coverage, Saturday morning in Korea, Friday evening here, that's at the same time because, you know, the way the world works, um, they're just going to skip that competition by Pete. Oh, no, there's supposed to be no breaks. Yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't go up against the thing that people sit and watch and feel good about, even though there's an argument to be made, you know, against the Olympics more so more recently with some of the abuse stuff. But people are going to sit there and wave the flag and say, oh, look look at that go-getter as they go do their Winter Olympic sport. S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't need to compete with that. That's actually good news. See Nor you back after should the they, if renewal is to be in the cards, why would you burn potential ratings bridges by running up against something you know is going to win the night and the time slot. Um, you can go back. I predicted it would be difficult for them to uh, air. They would have been scheduled to air their 100th episode, Matt, episode 512, the weekend Black Panther hits theaters. Also wise to avoid that. Not as if people can't go to the movie theater and watch a TV show, yet a lot of people go on that Friday when it's first out. If they're not already going on the Thursday at 7 o'clock, like, you know, a lot of diehards uh, will, the first opportunity to get to see it. Immaterially, Matt, they will be off for those three weeks. They've earned it. Uh, don't get all upset because they're taking a break here when they're up against the Olympics. This is wise. This is smart. This is the way it is. Pete, right now, for realsy, I'm holding in my hand, not a wooden bird, but I'm holding the Jordi LaForge Funko Pop that you gave me for Christmas <laughs> a few years ago, and I'm seeing a vision of the future. It's S.H.I.E.L.D. returning on, after its three-week break, returning on Friday, March 2nd. Pete, you'll never guess, you will never guess who bought at probably a primo price, who bought at least one, uh, you know, commercial uh, during that episode on Friday, March second. You'll never guess what the company was. Uh, is it uh, uh, Betnix? Uh, try again, Pete. It's Netflix that's going to use that Friday to hype the uh, the debut of Jessica Jones season two. The following Thursday. Thursday, March eighth, International Women's International Day. International Women's Day, and then the next day, Matt, to air their one hundredth episode after I've uh, watched the remainder of the Jessica Jones episodes. I haven't gotten in the screener, and I'm probably developing uh, a bladder infection. <laughs> Pete, it's all wonderful except for that last part. So. I will mention too, just to wrap up this schedule conjuring of the future, or is it the future coming back to the past? I don't know. Pete, I did the math. That would then, assuming single hour episodes all the way through, um, which I guess is to be determined, but assuming that's the case, that would put the season five finale on uh, May 18th, um, which. Right in the sweet uh, spot. 
Yeah, right in the sweet spot, not too late. I could conceivably see them going one week earlier, but again, um, so May 4th is Avengers. Uh, they will not end that weekend. I could see them ending the following weekend on a two-hour, on a, on a two-parter, um, and, and we'll have to see. Right now, the ratings are stable we don't have tonight's ratings in just yet but they were a 0.7 um i'm sorry they were 0.6 last week down from a season high tying 0.7 on the return after uh the new year so ratings are are stable got to stay that way keep watching live keep uh tweeting about it keep talking about it um and you know pull other people in but as of right now knock on wood matt you know, th- this is a rosy picture. This is a positive picture. It could always get more rosy, uh, rosier. But uh, right now, things things are looking okay. That also was the the take of a lot of the the smart West Coast uh, entertainment uh, reporters who uh, were at the TCAs and heard uh, Channing Dungey speak. I I regret I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but. The way she sounded more optimistic than a show that kind of could be borderline. I know TV by the numbers has upgraded uh, Shield's possibilities, pending rating shifting, but you know, uh, upgraded it to likely to be renewed. And Pete, I will mention here for the first time, uh, because I don't think it's worth dusting off the Inhumans feed quite yet. Uh, she sounded really down on Inhumans, and many canceled shows. I can't shows imagine why. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Um, Pete, the highlight of the eight episodes of Inhumans was a lengthy story involving marijuana farmers. And that's some of the most fun I've had podcasting all year, I want to say, (laughs) because we just went slowly insane. Um, Because, Pete, we were not connecting with a core group of characters. It felt like a revolving door. And you know what? To bring it to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's always the revolving door of the recurring characters but we have our S.H.I.E.L.D. family, Pete. They're not going anywhere uh, b- uh, between now and May uh, 11th or May 18th, aside from taking a little time off to cheer on their countries of origin at the Olympics. And uh, it's all good, Pete. It's it's all good for our S.H.I.E.L.D. family. When we catch you up on what went down, Matt, our teaser begins here with Robin uh and we have uh simmons saying there are three more cities that just went dark and we get the super uh imposed uh location and date this is zephyr one 2018 wait what not 2091 where we were now they're now pete they're in now uh, they're in our now the stories then and the initial story starts future, which is to say they started in 2017. Now they're in 2018. That's like us. But our heroes are back in the new now, which is 2091. It's it's jarring in the best sense because we don't know what's going on. They're not supposed to be here. And initially I was like, oh, it's they got the year wrong. But no, no, no. We see Simmons. And at first I was like, I don't think that is Simmons. And we see May. There's timeline timeline concerns here. Robin's saying that they're going to survive the crash, but there is no crash. Um, and uh, a really excellent transition here. She says, uh, uh, "Oh no, there's something else I need." Boom! We cut to the to to the present day, our future. I need to remember. Look, they have survived the crash. Really excellent transition to have us be jarred and confused to grounded again. Yes, uh, told they would survive the crash here. Um, and the description of Robin's view of time, it's like her life is a deck of cards that you can't separate past, present, and future. This coming from uh, a new character, Matt. Yes, yes, we meet Sammy Voss, a man of a certain age, which I know we've mentioned before. I keep bringing that up because when we were at New York Comic Con and hanging with uh, Jamie Patton, she referenced 
how we referenced that on the podcast, which was this, yes. It, it, I, I was tickled pink, you know, because it's like, it's oh, a it's a trope within this show because they, they've continually against Clark Gregg and every single time it's worked. OK, uh, whether it's Bill Paxton, R.I.P., mm. whether it's uh, Edward James, almost don't you dare take him from us yet, Lord, uh, or, you know, many of the other established gentlemen they have. Uh, run as foils against Philip J. Colson over the four and a half seasons of this show. Well, Pete, speaking of that, here we are in this fifth season. I don't know if you heard the rumors over the summer that they were going to get uh, a budget reduction here. It happens sometimes. Wait a minute, Pete. What's one way that you can address that? What if you reuse the set? But wait, they're not in 2017 anymore. Wait, they're on the wreck of Zephyr 1. Handy set reusage, organic story solution. Thanks, in- writers. Ingenious, really. Um, so we find out that uh, Sammy Voss was the man who had rescued May. It wasn't Robin, um, as we may have been led to believe last week since that was the only person we saw with May. Uh, and uh, Sammy was told a decade ago to expect um, – the rest of the agents of shield here uh, sounds like them now sees them out the window there. Um, and, uh, don't worry. Robin said that they survive this crash too, as we go into the title card, the title card, which of course continues to read agents of shield, no subtitle Pete. I came across an article by an unnamed entertainment weekly writer who discriminately blocks people who ask questions. Um, where uh, so I shan't mention her, but uh, Jed Whedon had said a couple months ago that they mostly seriously wanted to have the subtitle uh, "Agents in Space," and ABC told them no, which is probably a good it's decision. A good, it's a good call. Yeah. We're we're still calling it "Agents yeah. in Space." Hey, say, say. It, it was nice as moment where he says "Agents in Space." I'm like, we say "Agents in Space," space, space. It was wonderful. Anyhow, I got one word for you, Matt. Nucatraz. Nucatraz, absolutely. Those who are listening across the family of podcasts, you know, you know. After the title card, we're on Zephyr 1. Colson arrives first because he comes first in the credits, Pete. They hug. He hugs May because she's like second in the credits. He was second or third. I believe she's second. Then Daisy comes in because that's the big 3 or trio or whatever. Point being, Pete, they then walk away and you know everyone else comes in. The Fitz, the Simmons, the Deke, etc. Yes, and the uh, exposition that's brought in amongst this, with the Zephyr surviving, they were on their way to the lighthouse when things went bad. And um, as far as I could tell, Matt, the only two times in the flashbacks that definitively got dates were the first 2018 the other one 2022 were there dates in any of the others uh no and i think that that might be a result of um them wanting to stop around 2022 just because at a certain point at a certain point, you don't want the young Robin actress to age anymore. Uh, I must confess, I'd have to look back and see if it's a different actress in 2018 versus 2022. But the one that we certainly see for most of the time, if not the whole time, I think it was just like, all right, guys, we're not skipping through time anymore. We got this kid. She's great. She's awesome, which she really, really is. I mean, you buy the frazzled mental state and the emotional conviction. But um, I think they pause things there for that production reason. And that is not a point I have considered, so that's why I do this with you. Um, But with everything that's gone on to get everybody back together here, we hear for the first time, Matt, this was news to me, that Fitz had designed the Zephyr one. He was the engineer, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. A good way to kind of retcon some of that looking back. Yeah, news Uh, to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Deke Shaw here, given a last name, and uh, Voss telling him that he thought it was his old man of 20 years ago. Oh, what happened with Virgil? Oh, yeah. Remember Virgil, Matt? Remember? 
Yes, I, I remember because last remember, week I didn't remember. in like the 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 maybe tens of minutes we knew Virgil. <laughs> that might even be a bit much. I mean, we only saw the first twenty minutes at New York Comic Con. He was gone in the first half of that. So he's gone. How how how'd he go, Matt? Oh, Pete. The Vrelnexian's got him. He's been turned into roach food. The roaches. The roaches. Um, but that we get the 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 back check of the story here that he was uh, withholding from Deke that he was exchanging messages with his dead dad. Um, but uh, so we've got everybody in the location, with the exception of Mac. Uh, Yo-Yo and Flint, who are off on their own mission. Um, we bring in Deke. The stuff about the dad. We've added a new character. It's time to check in with Cassius. Indeed. Uh, the trawler is down. He knows that much, but he's cranky uh, because they can't tell where the agents are. He tasks Sonara with uh, finding them. But does she have the fire in her? Oh, yeah. She's fired up. And Cassius adds fuel to that fire. Go get Daisy, dead or alive. And uh, regardless, though, it's time to crack down. The idea that they have been far too lenient with those who serve us. He actually walks up to one of his, you know, local, well, local to him slaves. And, you know, you think he's going to take it out on her. But he's eager to punish with retribution. And, um... Nope, it's not going to be that one slave because, Pete, take us back to the upper levels. I think it's level 10 confirmed here. What happens? The lights go down here. We have Mac. We have Yo-Yo. We have Flint, who has never seen the bugs, Matt. And Gretchen, who we've seen before, blames Flint for this, that it's his fault. They already cut the water. Now the lights. You need to turn yourself in. And I love that wherever Mac winds up in any of these stories, he's always the large uh, muscle, but seemingly always the voice of reason and kindness and tells them you don't want to go down this road here so not refreshing pete because the show does this all the time but it's great it's a great reminder that the show knows to use these characters in a multifaceted way it would be easy enough to just on the page say max steps in and grunts or says go away or something like that but the fact that there is that added bit of reason there the intelligence to the man that we know is is endlessly intelligent it's just you know it's a great character moment in an episode that's filled with tons of characters and not a lot of opportunities for each character to constantly shine still they get it here Back aboard the Zephyr One here, Coulson is trying to get Robin to connect the dots um, with May as well. The the two points in time that she seems to be anchored seem to her in, indistinguishable. Um, Simmons uh, gets involved here and, and says that crowding her is not going to help, so kind of pulls back a little bit there. Um, but... Robin's drawing a picture of the disintegrating earth uh, as she tends to make these predictions. Uh, she says she already told her mother everything. Apparently the diner was the last time they were all seen together, our agents of shield. Uh, but Robin tells Philip J. Colson uh, that he can bring all the pieces together. The pieces of what Matt? We don't know, but we're told this is the day it all ends as we go into the act break. Before we come back from that act break, Pete, I just want to tip, uh, give a tip of the hat to actress Willow Hale, who is playing, uh, who is playing mature Robin. The fact that they were able to get an actress who, who is of, uh, <laughs> A number of years, as you might see it on her face, um, but, but but somebody who is able to impart this childlike, this childlike affectation and this childlike um, oh, oh I don't know she she comes across as this this broken child despite the fact that 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 clearly she's not she's an actress who is sixty three years old and they're playing up you know I, I suspect you know the the wrinkles and the lighter hair and all of that um, but nonetheless she's she's just so good in this role. 
Yeah, she really does bring that sense of childhood. And, and it's hard to do that as a, an actress of an older age without seeming like, okay, we're trying to play her with a disability um, a la a Forrest Gump or, or something like that. So very, very specialized performance and really comes across. I'll just mention as we wrap up the Willow Hale Appreciation Hour, three movies in post-production for 2018. Uh, so, you know, a quick scan here, um, seven, eight, nine jobs over the course of 2017. So, you know, are some of them mom or grandma, grandma Alice, babushka, grandmother, sure, Ladies getting work. Absolutely. We pick up Matt in Act 2 with uh, Daisy. Um, the, the lady who sees the future says there isn't one. All right, Pete. Now we need to have a serious discussion here. Daisy is questioning all this timey-wimey stuff. Shades of Doctor Who. We need to address something. Last week on the podcast, you said some things about Doctor Who. He said some things about these United States. You need to clear the air, Pete. There was there was a controversy. Don't wait for the translation. Say <laughs> say what is in your heart, Pete. Uh, as far as the controversy, I can tell you that uh, we referenced a bit we've done for five years <laughs> that you tease me that I don't watch uh, Doctor Who. And uh, I thought I would try to give it back to you and uh, stand up for uh, our country, uh, for the country you and I live in, in, in America, and the, the sometimes uh, knock by uh, Britons that we are the colonies. Um, and it was a poor attempt to at humor at my part on my part. And I don't think it landed. Uh, so on Facebook, uh, we were called out for it and rightfully so. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work. Pete, do you believe that BBC America should be removed from all cable providers in America? No. Do you believe that PBS <laughs> should stop bringing over stuff on Masterpiece that have been made in the United Kingdom or the country of Ireland, uh, such as Victoria or or things of that sort, your, your Downton Abbeys, et cetera? Well, given that uh, I will take my wife for her birthday to the Downton Abbey exhibit in New York City tomorrow, uh, no, they should continue to bring things over. Uh, Pete, will you will you stop watching shows made in uh, Northern Ireland, uh, including there's a, there's a show on HBO with um, British actors and dragons and whatnot? Will you renounce that show? Are the actors? I'm sorry. Are the dragons BAFTA uh, registered performers? The dragons. Uh, I think one of them was born in Eastern Europe. Um, but they're all, they're all, uh, my understanding is all three dragons as well as their three dragon stunt doubles are, are British citizens and, um, therefore currently members of the EU. We're not even going to delve into Brexit, Brexit. Um, but yes, they're all BAFTA members, etc. As long as they're keeping it in the guild, I'm fine. All right, Pete, back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Deke is a little mournful here. You fear the creepers. You fear the world around you. But it turns out the people can live on the surface. Everything is a lie. Pleh. Oh, man. And uh, he, we get some further character stuff here. He talks about his parents, both of which we don't see here, save in a couple bucks. Mm -hmm. um, Mom and Dad believed in Robin, but Deke didn't. You know, parents can be the worst, right? Especially when they're right. Pete, does Daisy know about that? She does know a little bit about it. And it, it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about um, Kyle MacLachlan recently and having just uh, binged the Twin Peaks, The Return on Showtime uh, and his excellent, um, very multifaceted return to that show um, and that we had him on agents of shield for the better part of the second season, which seems like a really long time ago mm. as Daisy's father. And to, to get brought up here, 
you know, turns out that Virgil used to bring Robin T. He used to listen to the stories. That's how he was involved there. So a lot of Virgil in, in the in the catch up here. Um, but uh, that, that this loony, Deke says, seems to uh, well, the loony, his father um, and, and that the mother's been killed, that, you know, th- this is not going well for him. And. Again, uh, Chloe Bennett and uh, a younger—it's—it's it's the reverse of the um, of the Clark Gregg trope. Clark Gregg <laughs> needs needs a male of a certain age to be either a buddy or an antagonist, and Chloe Bennett needs uh, a young man with scruffy beard hair in uh, his you, mid to you, late twenties. Exactly, you you took the description right out of central casting uh, <laughs> down to what I was going to say with the, with the five o'clock shadow, <laughs> uh, the, the more star Lordy for our agents in space season, the better Pete. That just leaves one question for our theory segment. Will they, or won't they, but we'll get to that when we get there. Um, we go back to the lighthouse, Pete. We go back to seeing Mac and Flint waiting. Yo-yo yo-yo's back declaring it's all clear. For it's now. Been, for now, anyway. Flint is pensive. You know, he's he's uh, concerned that the people on level 10 don't like him anymore. Ah, youth, Pete. Um, but uh, the decision is for him to just let all that go. Once that blue guy gets done ice spraying over there, what's up with that? They're not quite sure. Stick a story pin in that. Then they will go get their guns. We're not going to see that yet, though. Pete, take us to Zephyr 1. Well, that spray, the the stuff the blues use to keep the Vralnexians away, I think is important that we even get that little bit of exposition. Uh, but back aboard the Zephyr, Simmons feels good to be in familiar surroundings. Uh, she and Fitz head into what used to be their sciency area, which never really got a name. Um, but they find what... Uh, they call an isochronous cyclotron, uh, which we later will learn some sort of time machine or just something to do with that other uh, rock monolith thing. Um, But Voss says that this opens the portal that brought them there. A lot of teasing out the reveal question mark upon first view of Deke's father, you know, he's, he's must be making his way back. Um, kudos to the show. I did not see the twist that will happen about Deke's father. I did not see that coming. In fact, if anything, I was saying, Oh man, who's the other man of a certain age going to be when Deke's father walks through the door. Um, so I, I, I like the work that they do story-wise there. Yes. Owen, his father put this together. Uh, it ate a year's battery reserves, Matt, in order to do that. So obviously they have paid a price here. Well, maybe he'll have more info, you know, when we catch up with him. Um, finally, Fitzsimmons is left on their own uh, time for some smoochy face. It is, Pete. I refer to the poet Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. Ah, baby, let's get it on. Let's love baby. Get it on, sugar. Let's get it on. I dare say overdue. Uh, but we don't see any of that. We just see the, the, the beginning feelings of love. We return to Colson and May. Pete, will they ever have such feelings? Uh, but they're with Robin, so now certainly is not the time. They want answers from Robin. Robin is silent. Can Enoch help? Can you get Robin to talk? Uh, He says that she will only talk to her mother, who is dead. Story seed for later. Uh, Or you could just be a patient uh, chromacron that, uh, you know, doesn't age, doesn't need to particularly get in a hurry, and give her several days to say her stuff. Uh, This annoys Colson and May, who cannot wait. And um, Pete, we have discussed on the podcast, we have discussed... Actually, I was going to tweet this, and I didn't, because somebody had included... Ming-Na Wen, I didn't want to sound insulting uh, by my thought being misread. So many times we've had story pockets where it's like, oh man, everybody, let's storm the mansion. May, you go over there and everybody else will go over here. And then May's like, oh man, I had a great fight, which didn't appear on camera. 
and things of that sort. Or oh, May's been grabbed for the uh, LMD program, so she her contributions to the episode are be asleep. Here, she's questioning what can she do. She's not a scientist. She has no plane to fly. She's asking what is her place. Uh, Ming-Na Wen must have asked what is her place when some I of this stuff comes up. I loved that this came up directly because how many times, if we're not including her in the story, have they uh, made her a double and, and made her do bad things <laughs> off screen? Yeah. Um, or, or found other or ways to deal with it. And, and here we're confronting that, which I think was great, um, that if she can't protect the team, what is her role? Uh, very important to understand. And it's with that that we go back to a, a flashback, this time the lighthouse, Matt, in 2022, four years from where we are right now. Um and we have uh, Fitz there, um, who is uh, working with the bloody time machine again, uh, or talking about it. Robin's going on about it, uh, but he is adamant time is fixed. They cannot do anything to it. Um, and uh, Robin says they they are going to do something to remind you to remind uh may this is uh or may tells her not today putting it off and something that that happens quite a bit in this episode um and the idea too that gave them everything you could and yet not enough back to the present day which is their present day of 2091 level three Mac is joyously reunited with his shotgun axe. Uh, Yo-Yo does not see any of the, the Varin, the Varlon, the roaches, she says, the roaches. Um, which is weird because if there aren't any here, <gasps> gasp, Pete, look, it's an open elevator shaft. Where have all the Rel Nexians gone? Down. <laughs> Indeed or... they have. Or Yeah, down to level 10. <laughs> Our heroes get there. There's dead people everywhere, Pete, including yell at flint man to end the act act three matt and with the gear that voss is packing colson likens him to a post-apocalyptic eagle scout what is that well that's a lot to unpack for somebody living post-apocalypse and with no eagle scouts but bottom line is this he's ready to attack the blues and pete he doesn't mean on a harmonica neither um May grabs a machete. A May chete. A May chete. Yes. Um, are the agents up to the challenge? She says yes. Is the same true for your team? Um, and right by that machete is a piece of the very monolith that brought them there. And uh, Colson posits that if they can get more, they can go home, you know, build the thing. This is, of course, first. Sammy reminds them after they get revenge. Yes, uh, but it's the only piece of the monolith they've ever seen. So uh, this is not exactly Quantum Leap, Matt, but the next jump could bring them home. Uh, we uh, stay in Zephyr 1. Daisy's getting a medical scan, which I realize is a really well-hidden kind of information, not quite dump, but information update Hey, says Simmons, we can't take out your expensive inhibitor without tools and training. If we mess up even a little bit, you could be paralyzed for good. So that's why your expensive powers will not show up on the show in this episode. I don't know that they're actually that expensive. It's just like a blurry thing. But you gather my drift here. Yeah, cool. seems to be some kind of uh, ultrasound tool she's using to find out it has embedded itself into her greater avicular nerve we all know the importance of the greater auricular nerve indeed the the minor auricular nerve equally important in some circles um it's around this time colson and may come in with the monolith piece and in what was maybe not story tic-tac-toe but story tic-toe and it happens really fast fit says wait a minute that monolith piece come over here to my time machine uh, furnace. Uh, it fits perfectly in there, just absolutely perfectly. And um, did you notice, Pete, in the background, 
Deke is sulking away. Oh, Deke. Oh, Deke, indeed. Let's head back to the lighthouse. Roach is cornered by Lady That Yelled at Flint, uh, which her name is Gretchen Pete, but Lady That Yelled at Flint, that's how she hurt. Uh, Our heroes save her, and uh, the piece de resistance is the Roach gets a shotgun axe to the head, courtesy of Mac, and Mac declares triumphantly, we're going to take the floor back, take back the block. Uh, With that, we flash back to Robin talking about Flint, Flint, and uh, May seems ready to acquiesce. They're now in the lighthouse. Uh, May seems ready to acquiesce. I guess they've been in the lighthouse, but anyhow, we're on the a familiar looking usage of the lighthouse. May's ready to acquiesce. Yo-Yo has an ax. She is ready to fight back. Whatever happened to shield? Why is it whispered and done in the shadows? Um, Robin says that Mac and Flint will work together, but prepare to have your heart broken. Pete in this Mm -hmm. timeline, Mac is dead. Is gone. Yes. And, uh, you know, really takes the wind out of your sails there. Uh, also, Yo-Yo tells uh, May and Robin that she doesn't want to hear anymore about Flint people who will be who won't be born for another fifty years. Um, so certainly some tension there. Not used to seeing that. Not used to seeing those two characters interact, and definitely not used to seeing any kind of tension between those two characters when they interact. So I thought that was interesting. Back to Zephyr 1 we go. Deke is questioning why Sammy had the shard, the, the crystal shard, Pete. Uh, Dad never would have left the shard. Um, there's, there's a whole recap here of how it was his mother's prized thing, and then the mother was, was lost, and the, uh, the father never would leave it. He wouldn't even hand it over to his own son. And uh, Deke concluding here, with the question, what did you do to my father? That does not go well. Oh, man, Sammy punches him to end the act. Act four begins in front of a fan vent. Mac and Flint here. Uh, the blues have shut the power off, but thankfully Fitz knows how to pack for any occasion. Yo-Yo has supplied them with plenty of gas canisters that they douse into the vent here. And then it's all about Yo-Yo y los cacaroches. You mentioning that Fitz is prepared for everything. I can't help but uh, be reminded of my late great uncle, a World War II veteran. And when he would come to New Jersey for uh, extended visits with family, um, you know, obviously a bit, bit conscious of uh, not to pack too much. Pete, he would bring nine pairs of shoes. For what occasions? Because he wanted to know that he had nine pairs of shoes just in case he needed to be prepared for a variety of shoe options. This is a man in his probably 70s at the time where we're going to wow. you know, walk around at some shops and have a nice time and go back, <laughs> go back to grandma's house for lunch kind of thing. In um, nine pairs of shoes. <laughs> and literally, it, was not, it, was, it literally was nine pairs of shoes. It may have included multiple pairs of slippers as well. I don't remember, but preparedness is important. You know who else is prepared, Pete? Yo-Yo, who takes out those cockroaches slow-mo style. What budget cuts? And look, right. were there probably budget cuts? They're on. They're using a new standing set for now, this eighth episode in a row. They've also returned to an old standing set. Okay, I get it. Fine. However, you use the money when you have to use the money. Awesome extended slow-mo scene, multiple creepy crawlies. She's putting exploding discs in them. We come out of the slow-mo, pop, 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 mission accomplished. How many times has Mark Kolpak and his crew worked utter poetry in motion with Yo-Yo in these scenes? It's, I mean, it's a phenomenal addition, particularly on a show where, okay, you, you know you're not doing Hulk-level effects. You know you're not doing you know, Thor on the Bifrost kind of level effects, but they, they maximize uh, what they have in her. Back we go to Zephyr 1. Daisy apologizes that she did not protect the young Robin better, and uh, Robin's stressing again that she was kept safe by her mother. Pete, their story, uh, they're, they're, they're um, building a story reveal for later on, and I didn't see it coming. I don't know about you, but I was just like, yeah, you know, the mom that we've met. 
it also mirrors Daisy's experience, Matt, the, the whole thing with her parents. Um, but obviously on the other side was, was interesting to kind of retcon that. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the protection, the, the promise of the lighthouse and, and now where they are, um, and that, uh, you know, Daisy is linked with this character. I mean, we go back to season three mm. with Robin and, and this promise with the, the father who became an inhuman. And uh, Robin seems ready to tell Daisy something, but, but, but time is running out, she says. She hides under a blanket, which I think we as the audience go, ooh, trouble approaching, even though she clearly is troubled uh, herself. Sammy approaches. Um, there's discussion of, oh, let's just let Robin rest. Though Sammy rather cryptically says that he may have something that'll give them answers. Uh, they're not picking up on us saying, no, watch out. Um, back to the science room. Uh, the machine, as it turns out, can read other parts of the monolith through space time. That was my takeaway from the techno babble there. But Pete, more importantly, they can't leave the room. It's locked. Yeah, they've been locked in there. And it's at this time, once we get the uh, description about the device uh, and the resonant frequencies of the monolith piece there, um, that Coulson and May are on the other side of the door. They hear Fitz trying to open it. He's screaming and they are told Coulson and May by two of Voss's unnamed toughs there. If they don't put up a fight, they don't have to die. Oh boy, Pete, are you saying right now that, that Simmons will die by the end of the episode? Uh, I'm not. Okay, good. I was just concerned about that. Um, we're, we're still on Zephyr one. Uh, we have, uh, Sammy and Daisy looking at some footage. It's Daisy leaving what appears to be a Quinjet. Then he says the city was destroyed and the world was cracked by an egg. It's the last time anyone ever saw Daisy Johnson. Therefore, that's why she's the destroyer of worlds, which sounds questionable. Um, yes. 12.8 magnitude earthquake that struck and at the beginning of this to hear that maybe the history books got it wrong. So video evidence yet a questionable narrative. I'm reminded of the season three end game with the floating necklace in space. This feels like a different version of this. I wondered early in the episode with these flashbacks that are ahead of where we were in 2017 at the diner. I had wondered, are we seeing the end of the season? Uh, obviously, it seems that they're not necessarily repeating that, um, repeating that particular narrative motif. But there's discussion here in this scene. Could this have been prevented? And Robin says it's too late to stop it. Uh, then we flash back again, Robin with Fitz, Robin mumbling. Fitz is angry. He's been told about Gemma's death. How can he ever live with that, knowing how she will die? Um, and uh, Fitz indeed is apoplectic. Building this machine will change nothing. Uh, even Daisy saw the end, but still destroyed the world. So just this idea of the, the, the single unchangeable timeline, which we kind of sense is not the case because you can't have them both back there. And what, what Matt, wait a minute. You're saying that when he says every time Gemma dies, that Gemma doesn't die. I, uh, I'm saying that absolutely. <sighs> I don't know why the show would lie to me and misdirect me, <sighs> but, uh, Gemma couldn't change this. Voss couldn't change this. Daisy, couldn't change it. It still happened. And uh, Robin is attempting to get Daisy's attention here about a knife. And it's at this point that Voss in 
the current time frame the narrative is occurring in says that it's going to be Daisy's life for billions. And uh, they start to fight, but sadly, Sammy intentionally takes out Robin to end the act. Sad note, sad fight. After the act break, Colson and May are in on the fight. They win quickly. Pete's spirit's rising. Yes, and uh, hoping to catch up with uh, Daisy and to help Robin with whatever she's experiencing here only to have may wind up too late to see the stab wound. And the, the most heart rending part of this entire episode. It, it really, really is. Um, and it's, there's kind of a counterpoint here with Sammy and and the other goon getting knocked out quickly. Um, they aren't killed because our agents don't kill just then this tender end to the scene um robin clearly bleeding out mom is that you may says no oh pete we've seen the whole episode we know she is a mom to her Mm -hmm. Um, surrogate mother and and quite a bit so always promised to be here at the end with the the flashback taking us to a time that she couldn't sleep uh she lamented the the power she had gained here Uh, Every time she would close her eyes, she saw people hurt. She saw people dying. Um, But that she bonded with May here and this companionship that they developed to never have to say goodbye. And May is learning this from a dying Robin. Wait, I raised you after your mother was gone. Um, Wasn't afraid of her gift. And, uh, oh, there's there's something I'm supposed to tell you. I, I have to tell you when we're and we're, we're getting it in the in the two timelines. So it's it's confusing in my recap. But to see the, the presentation of it um, in terms of what she knows, what she needs to remind May of uh, that, that she's needed for more than you realize Um And she's going to tell her about the vision of them saving the world Uh, that you're not sure as you're watching this is some kind of idealization or an actual thing. And I think the biggest thing we'll chew over in our theories tonight is these two time frames, given that all of our characters got sucked forward into the future. So how are there versions of them that live this? I think it's going to end up being an answer where the first versions of them lived to as far as they went in the first timeline, um, eventually died away, but they are the ones who impacted uh, old Robin's life. Then, as old Robin shared her visions, she then came up with a way to get a message back to Enoch and all that back in the past. So I think we're going to see the, the, the old timeline. Pete, it's back to the future here. I was going to say, are we back to the future yeah. or are we Terminator? Okay. We're, we're back May, to the future. May as mom is wimpy George McFly, the dad. She's and not Sarah Connor or Kyle no. Reese. Well, she, she is in many ways, but not in this time analogy. <laughs> What's going to happen is events will be changed by those who can remember the way things used to be and who will wake up and say, um, I thought I couldn't take your car because it was an accident. No, there was no accident. Look, there's Biff putting the first coat of wax on. Now, don't cheat me, Biff, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, all from memory. I'm quite impressed. Um, but... So then things will change, and Pete, those agents will not go to the future one day because they're going to come back shortly after they left, closing the loop. So they will have both gone, but then they'll return, and then we won't have a destroyed world. That is, until Avengers. But that's a different story. But it turns out that Robin has seen this. She just hasn't lived it yet. Uh, so as this is catching up and the life is draining from her, she whispers to May, um, and Voss tells the 
destroyer of worlds here to remember this moment, to remember that he tried to stop it. Um, and Coulson looks on as May reacts her, her face in seeming horror, Matt, to this whisper um, that uh, Robin is, uh, is, is relaying this information here. In the lighthouse, Flint announces that the roaches are dead. Who's listening? Uh, well, it's some of the survivors, including Gretchen. Max says that we can't get pitted against each other. And um, Yo-Yo grabs the implant removing gun. She starts removing implants, Pete. The, uh, the, the insurrection is starting to happen. Back we go to Zephyr 1, where Daisy is let, uh, has let Deke out of the cage that he was put in. And um, this idea that we're on our own now from Robin, from everyone else. And um, May gives Robin uh, her wooden bird and covers her with a blanket. Uh, we see Enoch chugging away in the background, Pete. I was convinced he was going to say, uh, excuse me, I have completed the calculations. <laughs> Maybe that's the beginning of next week's episode. I don't know. but um, And I like that there's this moment of desperation. What's next? They can wait for the gravity storm. They can wait for the roaches. They can wait for for the blues. None of those are great options. Then May comes in saying, we do go back. We can save everyone. Just one question. Who's Flint? Yes, and that she's not met him yet ups that tension and gets us to think about what that could all mean, which we'll look at in our level seven segment. In the tag, Matt, we have Cassius, uh, who is receiving video from Sonara. Uh, they survived. The, uh, the, sur the survivors, the agents made it to the surface. One point called the delegation. Remember all the way back, beginning of the season. Oh, Sonara yeah. takes her mask off there. Her orders to follow she knows their weakness and to show no mercy. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, let's begin with the newest, Sammy Voss. Uh, last in, last out. Last in, first out, rather. Um, I mean, I dug him as a presence. I think they cast an actor who looks the part, kind of a big beefy guy who oh he's, he's just an irascible bear who's happy to see people there no he actually you know is going to throw his weight around and get things um get, get things as he as he wants them and um i know it's a great it's a great use of the character it really really is it's so rare that they introduce a, a character who goes bad as somebody good as somebody likable um you know not speaking about uh you know, Brett Dalton's uh, ward or anything like that. I think that's a different case. Um, but in, in the introduction of somebody who ultimately does villainy in the episode, we meet him and, you know, we come to like him right away. And then we, we feel the, the punch across our face when, when he hits Deke here and he's, he's lying to our heroes and stabs and kills uh, Robin, who we mm. naturally feel this simpatico for. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think here's, here's the credit to the actor and to the writing and to the brief number of scenes that he's in and that whole package. His argument ultimately is not a bad one, you know, to take one life to save billions I, to me, ethically, it's a close and shut case. It just so happens, though, that this show is called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not, you know, uh, uh, this guy's, Sammy Voss's difficult um, decisions that he needs to make or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's a good use of a, of a multifaceted character, even as short as he is in it. Well, Matt, naturally, Cassius, uh is on this list. We don't see a ton of him. Uh, he's in the one location. He's in his uh, his penthouse suite type situation there, and uh, linked up, of course, with Sonara. But now he's doubling down on what he's going to do to the denizens of the lighthouse. 
I would like to point out that this actor, Dominic Reigns, uh, somebody born in Tehran, Iran, uh, and somebody who in his mid-30s has played so many variations of Arab character, Lieutenant Khan. Lieutenant Khan in something completely different. Kamir, Aziz, a third Khan. There's a Danny in there, there's a Leo. Tao, Aig, like... I looked up this guy earlier in the week, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy has worked consistently, but not a lot, since 2003, when he played a, uh, a, a, a an Arab officer in Saving Jessica Lynch. He was in an episode of 24 in 2005. Arab character after Arab character. I'm sure most of them were, you know, single-dimension, gun-toting, right. you know, terrorist types, and... He's done some other stuff too, some short films. You know, it's not it's not just that stuff, but I mean, Kasaya sings as a character. He is he 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 is attractive to us, even though he you know kind of personally, in terms of his charisma, uh, attractive. I guess also a handsome fella. Um, the actor is sitting through all this makeup. There's all this glee. It's kind of high Shakespearean and Roman. It's also just kind of this base stuff. He is so wonderful. Thank goodness S.H.I.E.L.D. scooped up this guy who, you know, I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. obviously pretty open wide when it comes to casting people from all sorts of backgrounds. But throw this guy in some blue and white makeup. I wouldn't have known he was from Iran versus, you know, whatever, you know, a Irish Catholic. Um, but he's so good in this. And part of the reason that it's like, for whatever imperfections there might be this season, Cassius is the glue. And that's a big credit to Dominic Reigns because if the character is falling down flat, then we'd be like, oh, another episode where I guess that blue guy wants to get them or whatever. And then lastly, Matt, uh, Sonara, she appears in the one scene where she's dispatched and then the other that she's arrived and, and now she's there to do the dirty work. And actually, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s social media accounts ran a really good, uh, you know, not stop motion. Uh, what's the uh, when you speed it up? The, the video oh, time lapse time lapse of her getting her makeup on and applied this week and the hours upon hours that that takes wow. for blue makeup, yeah. uh, which shows you the level that they're doing this. And, you know, actress Florence uh, Favre, who's, um, you know, she's she's got some uh, some Thai uh, you know, influence in her family, though they, they move to the South of France, there's the, the wonderful, um, diverse angle. And, and there, there's that silent brooding that, that she brings as well. Um, and really has shot to the forefront saying very little in this role. Um, yeah. I mean, she's a, it's almost like the Boba Fett rule here. Uh -huh. um, yes, it would be nice if she was getting more lines, particularly uh, since she's an Asian, an Asian actress and we can be more representative and so on and so forth. But all right, you're getting less lines for whatever reason. The character is another character that's absolutely cooking here. Um, Bear McCreary never backing off on the boom, 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 you know, bad music. You know, she's a bad person music. And she's just a ton of fun too, as that as that field commander, while Kasaya sits at home in the penthouse and watches uh, streaming. <laughs> Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize, Matt. These time frames, and you brought up the point before that truly had not occurred to me: the idea of the young Robin actress, possibly actresses, and not naming the other times past 2018 and 2022. Um, but keeping these straight is difficult from a narrative perspective, first off, to organize then to present and finally for us to watch so that we have characters who left in a diner to go to 2091 who are also 
May and Simmons and Fitz uh, and Yo-Yo uh, in these flashbacks of a past they weren't there for. So help me under, I know we've been asked before, you know, like what, what did Fitz do to get in while they were in the future? Uh, and what were they doing while Fitz was on his way there? But this is far more confusing. Um, I think where it is confusing, it is intentionally confusing. Uh, the notion of, of split timelines has never come up before. Uh, dare say, well, unless we're going to feed into the eight years later from Spider-Man Homecoming and some of that other timeline stuff that I'm convinced will be explained by Infinity War and the TVN is just picking up on it a little bit here. But I think it's meant to be jarring and I think there's a reason that Fitz keeps yelling there's only one timeline because you're sitting here going, but it looks like there's two timelines. Oh, you're... They don't believe there's one. They believe there's only one timeline, but there's actually two. So I think we're meant to, we're meant to decipher that. And um, I think it's aided by Lexi Colker playing seven-year-old Robin and Ava Colker, oh man, they're sisters, Pete, playing twelve-year-old Robin. So there is that attempt there to to make certain things clear. And I'm sure that they just said, all right, we got the twelve-year-old kid. We're sticking with that for whatever future past flashback forwards there are um but bottom line being when it's confusing i think it is intentionally confusing building off of that how is voss going to kill daisy and have that prevent the world being destroyed when it's already been destroyed i think he is already presupposing that they are meant to go back and that there is perhaps some sort of cycle that needs to be broken. And, and by killing her, the rest of them will go back and then she won't destroy the world. I, I think that's what he believes, having spent all these years with Robin. That's his understanding of what will pass. Let's not forget, he has a vision by way of Robin, uh, which may be unclear on his end. But he has a certain vision of how the agent's time here will transpire and what will happen after that which seems to be they fix the thing they go back is owen shaw deke's daddy definitively dead i think you don't have a fight of you took my dad's stuff thereby revealing you are a bad guy which sets up tension in the next scene who will Sammy attack, then he attacks this one and that one. Oh, the oldest lady of all. Um, Pete, if they get, I don't know, name, name interesting middle-aged actor walking through that door and you go, oh man, Pete, it's David Duchovny as the dad. How did they get him while he's doing X-Files? <laughs> to me, we don't need to go there. The fact, Pete, that it is said towards the end of the episode, you know, words to the effect of we're all alone now. It's the agents plus Deke. Um, wait a minute, Pete. Do I foresee a future where maybe Deke makes the jump back in time too and then he can be his own grandpa or something like that? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's what's occurring here where they're taking away the the agent's ability to um, to get help and now they, you know, now they need to stand on things for themselves. Pete, this is particularly true if you subscribe to the theory on fantasticgeek.com that we're going to have a three-episode break in um, in February. We have Jed Whedon confirming all the way back in the fall that there are two pods this season. Seems to me, Pete, in 509 and 510, we wrap all this up with a neat little bow, and then <laughs> the tag scene in 510 is, what, we're home, but whatever the butt is. Um, and then we go, whoa, that's something to chew over. And then then I watch the first two seconds of the preview when it says, mutant enemy, rawr, in, three we in four weeks on March 2nd. And they'll go, yep, nailed it. That's why you listen to me, <laughs> world. Let's check the wire. 
Pete, we posted a poll right as the episode was ending. What did you think of tonight's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? The, the four choices. You could rate it four wooden birds. I'm crying. There was room for the G. Three birds, a solid outing. Two birds, why not more Cassius? And then one bird, is this in humans? Pete. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> 6% of the voters wondered, is this in humans? And gave it a one. Again, was this the best episode ever that looks at our world and has a discussion about fake news and authoritarianism and so on and so forth? Okay, no. This was not a one. This was not no, a two. It wasn't pot farm. Yeah. It, it wasn't pot farm from humans. I mean, to me, this is like a 3.5. If you have to say, well, 3.5 is in four, okay, I'll vote a three. Um, but 19% of voters said uh, three birds, and then Pete, a whopping 75%, gave it four wooden birds. We were all crying at the end. Wow. That, that heavy, heavy praise there. I, I, I'd have to say I'd, I'd rate it at a three. Matt, we also heard again from Lisa Winrick. Lisa was the one who pointed out the uh, my, my comment about uh, these United 50 states uh, and, and putting my foot in my mouth. But I had replied to her when she made that comment on uh, Facebook, pointed that out. She said, thank you for your, for the reply. I do enjoy reading your agents of shield live tweets and listening to the Marvel podcast. The Alan Z reference did make me laugh Friday night, which was appreciated given all the splattered blood the past two weeks. Indeed, Pete, a little levity, always a good thing. And uh, we could not start to wrap things up without saying thank you to all our patrons on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. The Zephyr one might not fly, but the fantastic geek one flies because of you. It does. So everybody who contributes at patreon.com slash fantastic geek gets access to exclusive podcast content. Uh, there are all sorts of perks. You want to sit up in the cockpit. You want to play with our time machine, whatever. Uh, there, there are ways for you to do that. So thank you again for helping us keep the uh, power on in the future. The best future, though, Pete, is on Twitter. How can people be in touch with you there? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E -E 9,772 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast any way you like. Comment on fantasticgeek.com, email fantasticgeek.gmail.com, check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH all one word like it today. To those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back on Sunday continuing the spectacular other space-based show, Star Trek Discovery. Really, really enjoying that. And uh, so much fun that we get to spend most of the weekend in space shows. Uh, if you are listening on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, we will be back next Friday night keeping the, uh, keeping the S.H.I.E.L.D. story going for these next, uh, next couple weeks before their anticipated mid-season break. With that, Pete... I will say allons-y to all our listeners and give you the final word. This is the day it all ends. <laughs> <laughs>